today we are continuing our series, God's Design. We're on part four, and we're going to focus on singleness here today, okay? We're going to focus on singleness. Is it possible whether I may one day be married, or maybe God is calling me to a lifelong singleness? Is that possible? Well, we're going to look into Scripture today. And to look at different areas and and different, what does Scripture have to say about these things? But the greatest thing that I want to address, no matter where you're at here today, it has to do with the posture of your heart. What are you truly going after? What truly is important in your life? And even as you may be in a place of singleness here today, where ought your focus to be in that? So number one in your handout, distraction free serving distraction free serving hopefully by the time we're done with our time together here today we will be able to see that God is for marriage and he is also for singleness in his design the way that he created things to be in both situations whether married or single God's people are to reflect Christ in their marriages and in their singleness. That we can take to the bank. By the way, I just remembered a conversation that I had with a fella down at uh, Planned Parenthood yesterday as we were out there preaching the gospel and pleading with women not to murder their children. A young man by the name of uh, Ben uh, came in there. He actually went in to get a test. Yet Planned Parenthood came out, mumbled something as he was walking behind me as we were talking on the microphone. And, and so I said, hey, I, I heard you said something. Were, are you wanting to have a conversation? And he said, sure, I can have a conversation. And about an hour later, we wrapped up our conversation. Um, just a neat opportunity um, to share the gospel. And, um, and he, he committed to me that he would be thinking about what we talked about. Um, and, uh, and so I'm just going to, right away I sent a, a text out to, the, there's a thread out there, and if you'd like to be a part of that thread, let us know. But that's just, that we just send out of folks that are saying, hey, we want to kind of be updated and in relation to the abortion ministry that we're doing and so on. And so to be able to pray on the spot for things that might be happening right at that time, we sent that out. Um, but um, so they started praying right away, and uh, I'm going to ask us as a church right now, to pray for Ben. Would you join me in praying for Ben this morning? Heavenly Father, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. God, I ask that you would invade Ben's space and that you would make yourself so real to him that the truth of what he heard yesterday would penetrate his heart. And the reality is that there is a God. He is a creator of all things. And we will be held accountable to Him. And how we respond to you, to the Creator of the universe, makes all the difference in the world. And I ask you, God, that you would bring Him to His knees, bring Him to a place of repentance, and that He would trust in Christ and Christ alone for His salvation. Continue to work in His heart. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. So this is truth for all singles, those that may one day not be single, as we said before, but these principles still apply in our focus. 
They inform how you should live while you are single. And this is also for those that are currently single that may be called to a lifelong singleness. Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 is giving a lot of preference here in this passage that we have to realize that because it's in Scripture, it is inspired by the Holy Spirit. That hopefully that we will walk away with this incredible hope, no matter where you're at, whether married or single, walk away with this incredible hope that we have in Christ and what he is calling us to. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I'm just going to read a few passages that are there. Verses 1 and 2, Paul states his preference here right away. Again, this was Paul's preference. Because this was something that had been given to Paul. But yet, it's an encouragement in the sense that the Holy Spirit would see fit to to inspire Paul to put this in his preferences in the Word of God. Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, so they must have had questions for Paul in relation to some of these things. He says, it's good for a man not to touch a woman, nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. Right off the get-go in this chapter, he throws his preference out there. And there's a reason for his preference, and we're going to get to that. It wasn't because he saw anything evil in marriage, nor that he despised it, but he saw his present state and the opportunities that he had and obviously the calling towards it, that if he wanted to give a great hope for those that may have, that are currently in that state, or may have that same calling that, that Paul had in this. Here's what I think he's getting at with this. The person that is single is not settling. God has good in store for them. It's not a mistake that they're in that condition or that situation. Position, I guess, would be the better word for it. Verses 7 through 9, what does Paul say? For I wish that all men were even as, my, as I am myself, speaking of this reality. But each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. What is he getting at this? Paul loved his singleness. He didn't view it as a handicap. He didn't view it as something that was holding him back from being everything that God had called him to be. He references it here as a gift. He's saying, listen, if if they're married, then that's a gift that's been given to them by God. If they're single, then that's the gift that has been given to them by God. Verses 29 through 35, skip down a little bit further. But this I say, brethren, the time is short, so that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they have none. Those who weep as though they did not weep, and those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as those who did not possess, and those who use this world as not misusing it. For the form of this world is passing away. 
Hang on to that line. But I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, uh, how he may please his wife. There's a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. He wasn't saying here, don't get this wrong here, he's not saying that a married woman or a married man cannot serve the Lord. In fact, he highlights here that there is this mindset that even those that are married should serve the Lord without distraction. But Paul is highlighting that, is it possible that there could even be this reality in place that there is a responsibility that is put on a husband and on a wife and on a father and on a mother that a person who is single does not have upon them. And they're not at a disadvantage with that. In fact, there can be, there can be advantages that can be seen in this. Less opportunity for the distractions. Does that make sense? Less opportunity for the distractions. Trust me here. We're going to get into this next week. Because we're going to talk to the married next week. This week we're talking to the singles. Okay? And this is what he's trying to point out in this. this. The point being that we may serve the Lord without distractions. All should live fully for Christ, no matter what state they're in. Redeeming the time, Scripture tells us, because the days are evil. And he gives a hint even towards the reality that even though marriage is to be lifelong throughout our time here on this earth, he also is reminding us that it is a temporary thing that we're experiencing. We're going to get into that here in a little bit. Marriage does not last forever, all of eternity. It's a temporal thing that we experience here in this life that we will not take with us into eternity. Now I got everybody's attention here this morning. I want to talk about this a little bit. There's a point to that. There's a point to it. It means it's pointing to something greater. A grander view that you and I need to have in all of these things. In Matthew chapter 19, verses 12 through 15, Jesus, after giving some hard truth about marriage and divorce, leaves the disciples saying, well, then it's better than for man not to marry it'd be better off not to marry if such is the case but jesus responds that it was not for everyone and he lists there three different reasons why someone may not be procreating remember we talked about the first command that's given go be fruitful multiply and fill the earth and Jesus highlights that there are some after that passage, after, his, after he heard his disciples respond, then it would be better not to marry. He says, not everyone can receive this. There are some who are eunuchs from birth. 
unable to procreate from birth. There are others who have been made by others. He's not commending that or saying that that would be a good thing to do. He's just talking about the reality of that's, that's just how it is. And the third reason that he gives there, he says, there are some who choose not to marry and to abstain from sexual relations for the kingdom of heaven's sake. I think I put that passage down in your notes. I always encourage you, go back. If I ever don't take us to a passage, please go back to those passages and check them out and read through them and make sure that, um, that, uh, that we're not just making these things up here. For the kingdom of heaven's sake. He said this could be a reason uh, for this not to be for somebody and someone who may be called not to marry would be for the kingdom of heaven's sake. So as each one is called to whatever gift God has given them, it's to be received that way. Speaking of eunuchs, I want to point you to Isaiah chapter 56. Let's look at this though. Isaiah chapter 56 in the Old Testament, it highlights something very interesting about eunuchs. Isaiah chapter 56, verses 3 through 5. He says, Do not let the son of the foreigner, who has joined himself to the Lord, speak, saying, The Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, Here I am, a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keeps my Sabbaths and chooses what pleases me and hold fast my covenant. Even to them I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a name. Better, better, than that of sons and daughters, I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. That's an incredible promise. You say, Pastor Mike, what's your, what's your point in going to some of these passages here today? Because I know the tendencies. I know the, the struggles oftentimes that singles can feel. It, especially in our, in, our, in our cultures. Especially because... They're, they're, we're, we're seeing maybe marriage happen all around us. And I, I don't want to tell anybody here today that may not in one day happen in your life yet. But make your focus be in the right place as you continue to move forward in this. God, through His Word, wants you to know that you're not at a disadvantage. He doesn't want you to think of it that way either. In fact, based on scriptures like this, he wants you to see some of the benefits of you in that place. Number two in your handout. What would be the enemy's attack? Right? Remember we said always in point number two, we're going to talk about this is, this is part of God's design. Some call to this. At one point or another, we're all been called to singleness, right? But this is part of God's design. It's how God has done it. Well, how would the enemy want to attack this part of God's design from the very beginning all the way up to the present day of what we are living in here today? Well, 
Paul even alludes to some of the temptations that a single person can experience, doesn't he? Two things that I want to highlight, and that is self and sexual immorality. Self and sexual immorality. Let's begin with sexual immorality to see how is Satan attacking? How is the world around us? counterfeiting that which God has designed for his specific purposes, for his specific design. What do we see happening around us so that we can be aware? These are the enemy's tactics. These are the things that he is trying to trip us up in, in these situations and trying to trap us and trying to get us into trouble. The lie is that you can have sexual relations with whoever you want, whenever you want. Marriage not being the only context, that would be the lie of the enemy. You say, okay, I I know that, I, I know biblical truth. But I tell you what, friends, it is unbelievable. It doesn't surprise me that it happens out in the world, but what is surprising me more and more is how often you hear these kinds of things happening, even in church going people that have just laid aside this idea that that almost this idea that God's not concerned anymore about sexual purity that God doesn't care if people are living together before they get married and having sexual relations it's a lie from the pit of hell his standard hasn't changed he remains the same I know I know what our culture is saying around us. I know what's very commonplace in our culture around us. But I also know what the Word of God says in relation to these things. People living with each other, having sexual relations before they're getting married. That's called, according to Scripture, fornication. It's called sexual morality. It's not what God has in mind for your singleness. My word here today is not a condemning word. My word is hopefully if you find yourself in this state, in this position right now, that you would come to a place of repentance. That's the idea of bringing these kinds of things up. Not to beat anybody over the head, but to say today's the day where that needs to stop. Right? Right? Today's the day I need to take the word of God and obey it and walk in obedience to it and repent, confess my sin to him. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's good news today. Let me run this back for you in the, in the different ways that, of, of these thoughts and ideas that are penetrating human hearts here today that are not of God, but this is the way that people are beginning to think in their fallen state and in their depravity. Here's what's happening in the culture all around us today. Why can't a person have sex with an animal? Think about it. Or try not to. After all, it is love. If you love something, why can't you express your love towards that? Why can't a person have sex with children? After all, it is love. Why can't a person have sex with the same sex? Love is love. Isn't that the common one that you're hearing today? Love is love. Nobody even knows what that means. Why can't a person masturbate and look at porn? 
Yeah, I'm going to bring that one up. Because we've got to talk about it in church. Because somehow the enemy has deceived us into believing, well, that's safe ground. And I want to let you know here today, it's not. It's sin. It's called lust. And God says if we lust after a woman in our hearts or after a man in our hearts, we've already committed adultery with that person. Again, this has not hit anybody over the head here this morning. This is to hopefully wake us up to the reality that God has called His people to holiness. God has called His people to live differently. God has called His people to accountability. And this, friends, is why we need each other. This is why you and I need to be in Christian fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ, holding each other accountable and walking with each other through life. That's why we have the church. To be able to come to one another and confess sins to one another and repent of those things and be able to walk in the freedom that God has for us. Oh, God has so much freedom for the follower of Jesus Christ if they just repent of their sins and stop trying to walk in the darkness but walk in the light. Oh, we're already going to talk about light. Light is a theme for VBS next year, right, Julie? Walk in the light. This is the thing about 1 John. I wasn't going to go. We we're going to go there here today. 1 John, he says, if, we have, if we're walking in the light, we have fellowship with him. If we're walking in the darkness, we don't. It has everything to do, not necessarily with our position in Christ, but with our fellowship that we're having with Christ. And when he talks about being in the light, you'll notice in that passage in 1 John where he talks about these things, he, he, he's reminding us, he, he says, but if anybody says that, they are, that they have no sin, they're liars. See, when he talks about walking in the light, he's not talking about a perfection. He means that you're walking in the light so that your sin can be exposed and seen. Does that make sense? As long as our sin and we're doing things that are kept in the darkness and we're trying to throw things under the carpet and trying to just hide things, it's going to have power over your life. It's going to have bondage. It's going to have strongholds. The enemy is going to have strongholds within your life because it's not in the light. But as soon as it's in the light, it's, it's exposed. It loses its power in the light because it's seen for what it is and then it can be dealt with. Amen? That's what it means to walk in the light. And then you have fellowship, not only with God, but with one another at the level that God wants you to have it. This can go for everything, not just sexual sins. Any kind of stronghold, anything that the enemy wants to put a hold on, he wants to keep it in the darkness. Let it come to the light so that it can be seen for what it truly is. But one can think in relation to pornography and those kinds of things, what is it hurting anyone? It's lust. It's sin. It's damaging. Why can't a person have sex with his or her girlfriend or boyfriend? After all, they're in love, right? No, you see, when you and I step out of God's design, it's no longer biblical love. Does that make sense? When you and I step out of God's design, it's no longer biblical love. It's human love. It's what the world calls love. It's actually sinful lust. If you want to get a good picture of what love is, start in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Just start working your way through that passage. That'll give you a good idea of what love is all about.
In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, we were talking a little bit about this at men's retreat last weekend. The will of God for our lives. I said we, can, we, can, we don't ever have to wonder what the will of God is for our lives. We can rest assured the will of God for our lives is our sanctification. And that's a big word, but this is what it means, becoming more like Jesus. If you were to boil it all down, what does God want for your life? Men and women of Jesus Christ, whether you're married or single, doesn't matter. God wants to continue to form His Son in you. That you begin, continue to become more conformed to His image that's within you. Paul defines that sanctification there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. That you should, this way, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. We're to use our bodies in holiness and give ourselves to that which is honorable. What would be not honorable would be in lust like the rest of the Gentiles, it says in that passage. Or unbelievers is what it's referring to there. Are giving themselves to. We should be different. There is a way believers should walk and it's different from the way the rest of the world is walking. No one should take another person's spouse and commit adultery with them, he's highlighting here. Do not defraud your brother. God will avenge the person that does that. It's a warning. In verse 7 in that passage he says, We're not called to uncleanness, but to holiness. Becoming more and more like Christ. Set apart. This is the will of God for our lives. This is how God wants us to continue to grow. And then he goes on in verse 8, he says, Therefore, and therefore is, therefore a reason. Good job. Therefore is there for a reason. So in light of everything that he just said there. Now here's a, here's a warning for you. The person that rejects this message isn't rejecting the person that's giving the message. So what it says there, doesn't it? He says you're rejecting God. So if you are living in sin in these areas in sexual immorality and someone approaches you and says, hey, lovingly, yeah, right? We speak the truth in love because we care. We care for people's souls. We care for the conditions of their heart. We care about people's relationship with God. I care for all of your relationships with God. I want you to have the deepest, and I hope you care about my relationship with God too. Amen? I want you to have, be, walk as close to Christ as you possibly can. So if someone comes to you and, and brings these truths to you, and you say, ah, that's old-fashioned. They're just an old-fashioned conservative, whatever you want to throw into the, into the mix with that. And you ignore it and don't respond to it. Listen, Paul's making this really clear. You're not rejecting man. You're rejecting God. You're rejecting, you're hearing his word and you're saying, mm -mm. nope, I'm going to do it my way. It's a warning. It's not man that you're rejecting. You're walking in opposition to his word.
Paul goes on to say, the one you're rejecting, the one who has given us his Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Paul was saying that he was speaking under the influence of the Holy Spirit and his message should be taken to heart. Here's the second attack that's happening. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Let's go ahead and turn there. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. The second attack is this, that as long as I'm single, I can kind of do, and here's the mindset, I can kind of do whatever I want, right? I can give myself to whatever I want to do, I don't need to check with anybody, I don't necessarily need to be accountable to anybody, I kind of can kind of live my life the way I want to live my life. Now when I get married, then I'm obviously, now I, I begin living in a relationship with somebody else and I need to consider their needs and their desires and all of whatever comes with it, right? This is, this is a, a popular mindset towards singleness. But I would plead with you based on the word of God that you don't waste your single days living for yourself. Don't waste your single days living for yourself. Do you have freedom? Yes, a freedom to live for the glory of God in the will of God. Paul was pleading with single people to view their singleness the way he was viewing it. You don't have the responsibility of taking care of a spouse, so give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. You have an opportunity to give yourself to, just as an example, I'm just throwing this out there as a possibility because it's, it's an important one. You have the opportunity to give yourself, and here's, here would be one of the examples, but we could use many. You have an opportunity to give yourself to missions in a way that others may not be able to. Far too many people It's their jobs, their careers, making money becomes a priority that trumps everything else within their lives. And I believe the reason why so many people lack direction in their lives is because they don't truly know the will of God for their lives. They haven't put Christ as a priority in everything. And view, even right now, like I said, even though one day they may be married, but right now they're single. The question is, how are we using our singleness right now for the glory of God? How are we using it? Oftentimes, too busy looking for a destination that God would tell us that it's not necessarily about the destination 
but it's about the heart. What are we truly living for? Think about this verse that we just read here right now. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, So you do look out for your interests, but, but not only for your own interests, right? Now what he's saying here? You have a responsibility over your own interests and the things God has called you to. The different things that you do within your jobs and your careers and all of these other things. Ask yourself that question. Am I only interested in my own interests or am I looking to the interests of others? It's interesting. In verses 5 through 11, he goes through... He gives the greatest example of what walking in humility and being self-sacrificing looks like. Do you know who he used? Anybody want to take a guess at this one? Yes, it is the easy Sunday school answer. Jesus. Right? He says, take Jesus, for instance. The greatest example that you could ever imagine who had all the glories of heaven all around him, but he did not consider equality with God something to be held on to, but made himself of no reputation and became obedient to the one who was calling him to. Humbled himself. Psalms, did you know that Psalms actually says that it's humbling for God even just to consider the things that are, to think about the things of earth, the things that are happening on earth? How much then did Jesus himself have to humble himself to come to this earth? And he became a servant. And he told his followers, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. That's the example that he gives us. What an amazing example. So how do we, what should we do? How do we respond to this? Eyes on Jesus, number three. Eyes on Jesus. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 30 through 32, reminds us that marriage is really about Christ and his church. In Matthew 22, verses 29 through 30, we're reminded once again, I have all of these written down in, in your notes there too, reminds us that when Christ returns, there will be no more marriage in the way that we're experiencing it right now. Because the foreshadowing, which is what it was meant for, of the ultimate, that is Christ and His bride that He's coming back for, it's no longer necessary. Trust me, please bear with me here today. I'm not saying these things today in any way to belittle marriage because we're going to talk about that next week. Marriage is big time important. <laughs> but what I'm, what I'm hoping will be accomplished here today, we'll see the grander view of why marriage is such a big deal and also why singleness is such a big deal.
We're not belittling it by any means, but rather we want to put everything in its proper place. Remember, we're looking at God's design. What are his intentions and his purposes for all of these things? That's what we want to be about, right? If we're going to be single, let's be single biblically. If we're going to be married, let's be married biblically. Amen? Not what man has made of these things. Lest we begin to idolize these things and say, I could never be happy outside of that kind of a relationship. Or even without children. Because that can be a reality for people too, can't it? You may ask me here today, Pastor Mike, what about being fruitful, multiplying, and filling the earth? Remember, when we started this series, we talked about seeing their grander picture of that which God has designed so that we can better understand the purpose behind the design. Amen? In the Old Testament, he says, yes, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. And that's not something that we discard now, but it's pointing towards a greater reality. Right? Because in the New Testament, he talks about this greater purpose of bearing fruit, doesn't he? He talks about how do we glorify God? We glorify God by bearing much fruit. What does that mean? It means walking in the fruits of the Spirit, right? Many spiritual implications of this reality that was given in the Old Testament. Go be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. We know here in the New Testament he's not necessarily talking about physical children, but he's talking about bearing spiritual fruit is the will of God for their lives. Obviously, there is a physical outworking of that, but it's pointing towards the greater purpose. And even if you're not married, and even if you don't have children, you are in on this, friends. You are still in this, fulfilling the greater purpose. You have the opportunity, I should say, to fulfill that greater purpose of what God is doing. Everyone can have children in the kingdom of God. Did you know that? Everyone can have children. And in fact, it's God's intentions for everyone to have children in the kingdom of God. He begins to give us a grander view of, of this childbearing, in a sense. In John chapter 1, verses 12, through, uh, verses 12 and 13, he talks about that as many as received Jesus, he gave them the right to become children of God. Right? And he talked about this reality of not being of blood, not being of the flesh. Right? Nicodemus was having a hard time with this come John chapter 3. Right? He says, am I going to jump into my mother's womb again? You're talking about being born again? What kind of crazy talk is this? Right? What kind of crazy talk is this? And Jesus says, oh no, we're pointing to heavenly things here now. We're talking about that which is going to last for all of eternity. Paul, several times throughout his epistles, would refer to himself as a father over those that he had preached the gospel to them and they had come to faith. He talked about him, being, uh, him having many children in the faith that he was looking forward to presenting before God one day. Everyone can have children in the kingdom of God. That's the beauty of the family of God. Amen? It's the beauty of the family of God. It's interesting. In, in, 
you can jot this passage down because I don't think I wrote it in your notes, but jot down Romans chapter 9, verses 6 through 9. Speaking of Abraham and the children of Abraham, he would go so far as to saying, not all of them are children because they are of the seed of Abraham. But there were those who were truly children and those, there were those who were just physical children. And then there were those who were truly born of God and were true children. It's interesting, in Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 through 50, Jesus is preaching. He had just been doing miracles and so on. And Jesus' blood relatives come around. His mother, his brothers come around. And uh, I don't... I, I would be led to believe, you can read that passage in context there in Matthew chapter 12, but I just don't think they could get to Jesus because I think Jesus had quite a crowd around him. And they wanted to come speak with Jesus. And Jesus, they, someone came and reported that, hey, Jesus, just so you know, your mother and your brothers are here. They want to talk to you. And Jesus says something very interesting. He doesn't come right out and just say, hey, let them come to me. Now, we don't know. I'm sure he probably did have a conversation with them. But he did pose a very interesting question that continues to point to this grander purpose, this greater purpose that goes beyond even blood relationships, physical blood relationships. There's a greater family. There's a greater kingdom. That you and I who are in Christ are called to be a part of. That goes beyond. Just your families. Jesus says, who is my mother? You remember this? Who are my brothers? Who are my sisters? And then he points to his disciples. And he says, look, behold. These are my mother, my sisters, my brothers. Then do you remember what he says? For everyone who does the will of my Father. These are my mothers. These are my brothers. These are my sisters. What was he doing here? He was pointing towards the kingdom of God. He was pointing towards the family of God. Now obviously... Our prayer is that our blood relatives would be a part of that. Amen? Absolutely. To have that same thing here. But here's what he's trying to highlight in this. is there, There's a greater family. Because Jesus even said, there's going to be some situations that you're dealing with. He says, don't think that I just came to make everything hunky-dory in your family. He says, in some cases I came to bring a sword. Come a father against a son, a mother against a daughter. Now, obviously, nobody wants that. What was he saying? Well, you've probably heard the stories, and maybe you've even experienced that when you came to Christ, the rejection. A lot of people in many other countries experience that reality. It can happen here as well. And Jesus wants to remind them there's a greater family that this is pointing to. There's a greater kingdom that you and I are called to be a part of. 
He is highlighting here the family of God. He is shining the light on the fact that this is the more grander view, the family of God, the kingdom of God. The people of God trump every blood relationship. And like I said before, obviously we want all those within our families to be a part of the family of God. Amen? But Jesus is highlighting the grander purpose. He's saying, listen, all those who do the will of my Father, that's the true brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's the kind of emphasis that you and I need to have in our lives. Did you know that? Oh, yes, leading our families. Yes and amen. But your, the family of God that you and I have called to be a part of, that you have became a part of, that when you were born again, is the family that's going to last for all of eternity. Invest in it now. Invest in it now. So in light of all this, what should our aim be? If I'm single right now, I'm asking the question, what should my aim be? Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Seek His kingdom first above everything else. Know today that He is sufficient. Even if you will be married one day, make your focus Christ above all else and allow Him to lead you into everything that He has for you. Amen? He'll lead you. He'll guide you into everything that He has for you. He will accomplish His will and His purposes within your life. You don't have to worry, friends. Oh man, the, the rest that God... I get the anxiety, right? We all battle that. God wants to call us to a rest in Him. Say, listen, you don't think I can take care of you? You don't think I'm holding your future in my hands? You don't think I can lead you? Guide you into everything that I have for you? He's more than able. He's more than able. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your design. We thank you for the grander view of what you are doing and what you are accomplishing. We ask that your name would be honored and glorified above everything else. Continue your work in all of our hearts. And help us all, whether single, married, no matter where we find ourselves here today, to live for the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and all the things that we need. You promise us those things will be taken care of. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. If you'd like prayer for anything here today, we'd love to pray with you and for you. If you have any questions about anything that we've talked about here today, love to talk with you about that. Here's an announcement. Leave the chairs where they're at here today because we are going to have the vow renewal at 2.30 here this afternoon. There are obviously several other things that need to get taken down here today. Today is actually the last day that we can leave everything on the stage. And so we'll be loading up the trailer and uh, here as well. So, amen. You are dismissed.